Well, praise the Lord and Merry Christmas Eve to you and your family, wherever you might be. I'm here in my office. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here in our Hebrews Bible study. Looking forward to sharing the Word of God with you today. I really encourage you to get your Bibles if you're anywhere where you can do that. Or you can just follow along and listen. And these uh, sessions that we do here, everything we do here at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas is uploaded to the YouTube channel. Curtis Hutchinson 316 as well as the website thecrosswaychurch.com and uh, you can listen also to the audio on an app called the Spreaker app and my channel is for those who have ears to hear. We are so blessed with this is part two of Hebrews chapter one here on this Christmas Eve bright sunny morning here in the piney woods of northeast Texas and uh, looks like it's going to be very cold today here and uh, but nice and uh, we just praise God again uh, for the opportunity to come into the office on Christmas Eve. And by the way, I'll be here in the morning at 9 a.m. for our second Timothy uh, Bible study. Uh, yeah, I've got family and they're all piled up at home. They're probably still sleeping this morning. But uh, And in the morning, we'll, we'll be right back here with our cross time with Pastor Curtis. So if you're up at 9, uh, tune in with us. And, uh, or you can watch it later in the Given Places online. We thank God for all of you who are praying for us as we carry this torch of the message of the cross uh, out of this uh, old year and pretty soon into the new year. And those of you who are supporting us with those prayers and your encouraging words and your finances as you give to God by giving to the preaching of the cross, the teaching of God's word in its righteous context. Uh, before we dig in this morning, let's say something about that, that all of God's words are in righteousness, as uh, Proverbs 8 and 8. And God establishes his people in righteousness, Isaiah 54, 14. And uh, he does it with grace by the gospel, but it's in righteousness because that's what he created us in, righteousness and true holiness. Ephesians 4.24, that's what he made us when we're saved by the blood of Jesus. He made us righteous and he made us servants of righteousness. Set us on a path of righteousness, which is the same thing as the race we are running that he set before us. And you and I need to have, uh, uh, or we need to be developing a greater joy, a greater desire for that city wherein righteousness dwells where we're headed. So God's looking for that righteous people and he's looking for those today who would be found walking in that righteous status. And I praise God that you and I can be. Hallelujah. Well, Hebrews chapter 1, here we are. Let's just back up and read verses 1, 2 and get to verse 3 because verse 3 is really uh, the highlight of today's Bible study. And uh, it will be a verse that we probably spend two or three sessions on because it is so uh, deep. It is so full of bread for the table. It is so full of meat for those who are learning to be skillful in the words of righteousness. And so let's read verse 1. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in time past unto the fathers, the fathers of Israel, by the prophets has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he's appointed heir of all things, by whom also he has made the worlds, 
who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Again, there's so much in that third verse and, and verses 1 and 2 lead up to that. I really love these first three verses of Hebrews. They say so much to the one who can hear. And, 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 and the, to those who can hear, faith comes to the hearers. And faith is an action word. It's a verb. When faith comes, faith moves us in the direction God is guiding us into all truth. And I'm thankful to know those things today. We don't just, faith doesn't come when I read the Bible. Faith comes when I'm hearing what God is saying by His Son to me in these last days. And I want to bring something to the table this morning. We need to know that God is still speaking. I know it says, has in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, like it's past tense, but God is still speaking. If God were no longer speaking by His Son, then we could not live. We could not have faith. Again, faith does not come by reading the Bible. It's good to read the Bible, and when you're reading the Bible, uh, sometimes we call it the words leap off the page at us. Well, that's us that, that is really God trying to show us something. And when we believe it to the point we allow it to move us, faith has come. Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10 and 17. And when faith comes, faith moves us. That's right. That's right. Faith moves you. The first time you ever manifested faith in Christ and what He did at Calvary, you heard the gospel you believed the gospel, and that was an act of faith on your part. From the heart, you were moved right into eternal life. You, you were moved right into Christ, right into the body of Christ. You, you were moved. There was action that takes place there. When your faith remains in the gospel, the very work Christ did at Calvary, there's going to continually be movement by the Holy Spirit that's moving you, moving you farther away from the things that He's delivered you from and trying to pull you away from or separate you from more things that still have a tendency to hold us, fear and, and, and condemnation and guilt and the things that Jesus has provided a way out of all of that. But if we're honest, we'll have to admit we still struggle in many times in many areas, but he's still speaking to us in these last days by his son. And he goes from verse 2 talking about Jesus being the creator, God by His Son speaks to us. God by His Son created the worlds, made the worlds, and God by Himself in verse 3 purged us from our sins. God by Him purged us from His sins. He, it, just in one sentence, this sentence is not over till the end of verse 4. This is all one sentence. We, we have it in verse form, but it wasn't written in verse form. It was a letter. And the sentence is not over until verse 4. So all in one sentence, God goes from talking about speaking to us in past times by the prophets to our fathers of Israel to in these last days. Now there's been a transition from 
uh, time passed. Notice God makes a transition here. He wants you to recognize that. We're no longer in the time past that God considers time past. The difference is God speaking through the prophets to the fathers. What began the last days is God speaking to us by His Son. That's when the last days began. When God started speaking to us by His Son. Revealing to us that His Son is creator. He created the worlds by His Son. He redeemed the world or offers to by His Son. All those who will believe will be redeemed. But it's a powerful, powerful thing that, that's being revealed here. And again, let's say it this morning that Hebrews, the main focus, really there's probably two. The main one, I believe, is the focus of God in the intention of getting us to see the supremacy of His Son, the supremacy of His Son, Jesus Christ, above angels, above all those that God used in the Old Covenant, all those that God spoke to through the Old Covenant. Let's be reminded this morning that Jesus said the the greatest man ever born of a woman was John the Baptist. But yet He's less than the least in the kingdom of heaven. That should tell us where we are now. We're operating now where people are entering the kingdom of heaven. No one entered the kingdom of heaven. No one went to heaven before Jesus came. They were all trapped in paradise in Abraham's bosom. No, they were not in torment, but they were still unable to get to heaven until Jesus came. And when Jesus came, of course, Ephesians 4, he went and captured those that had been captive to himself and led them out. Hallelujah, the Bible says. So in these last days he's spoken to us by his son, whom he's appointed heir of all things. All things belong to Christ. He's been given all things. You see, God by Jesus Christ, the living word, created all things, is the inheritor of all things. And He is the Redeemer of all things. No one helped Him redeem us. When you hear men talk about you also have to do something to be saved, they don't understand grace, the cross, the Bible. Literally. Someone posted on our website, on our uh, YouTube channel the other day when they saw us baptizing some folks in the water that, that, that we used the wrong formula. Can you believe there's people out there literally that think if you don't get baptized in a tank of water in a certain formula in Jesus' name that you won't make heaven? Those people don't know what grace is. They don't know what the cross is. and, And they don't understand the Bible at all. If you're still trapped in works, you don't understand the Bible. If you if you're still trapped, if you think you have to observe days and holidays and certain foods and rituals and rites and ceremonies, listen, you're still operating, even though you may have been born again, you're still operating as though you're under the law. And you need to be reminded today, my friend, you're listening to me, the the ministry of the law was a ministry of condemnation and death and only the wrath of God was found working there. Even though it was glorious because it was the word of God and the direction of God and the commands of God. It was glorious, but it was a ministry, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, of condemnation and death. And if we're trying to operate by that, we don't understand the cross. 
and we'll be most miserable all of our lives. Even if we try to come up with our own new thing, listen, the new thing is Jesus and what he did at Calvary. And uh, you need to get back to that because as long as you're dabbling under all that other stuff, you're committing spiritual adultery against the one you're married to now if you're born again, if you're a child of God, you're married to Jesus. And so Jesus purged us by himself. See, he declared it was finished. Not you believe in him and you also have to. No, he finished the work. And if you believe the finished work, then you become a part of the finished work. And you listen to this. The part of the finished work we enter into is what comes after the work of God is over. What does the Bible tell us God did after six days of his work? He rested. That means we rest from trying to labor and work our way in. In the next, in the fourth chapter of Hebrews, the third chapter, uh, one of those tell us that we enter, we labor to enter into his rest, but it also tells us that our believing is our laboring. Praise God. So he says here in the third verse that Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. And, and the glory of anything is its fullness, its perfect picture. Can we hear that today? The, the, the glory of anything, the glory of a rose is, is not in early spring when it's trying to, when it's got a, yes, the bud is pretty, but that's not the glory of the rose. And oh, it opens up a little bit, and, but that's not the glory of the rose. Then one day you walk by and you're like, oh my goodness, look at the beauty of that rose. That, that rose has been in its fullness, the fullness of its glory, full bloom rose. You're like, wow. It's so prettier, so much more uh, obvious of what it really is when it opens up and shows you its fullness. And that's Jesus as he comes and he shows us the brightness of who God, our Father, really is. The brightness of God's glory. And I, I want to do something this morning. I want, I want us to go back to the book of Exodus. Because so many today in the church are crying out for God's glory. Oh, show us your glory. Oh, pour your glory out. And we need to go back and we need to look in the Old Covenant. The New Testament tells us to do that, by the way. So run from those people that say we don't need to ever even have anything to do with the Old Covenant because... Uh, we do. The New Testament tells us we do. So the very New Testament that tells us to go back and look and learn and find hope and comfort from the Scriptures and, and, and use them as an admonition, run from folks that say we don't have anything to do with the Old Covenant because we do. What was type and shadow has become light now, the light of the one who said that they are, the Scriptures are, about Him. Hallelujah. See how silly and foolish we can become in all of our heady reasonings why we don't want to uh, use the Old Covenant and why we don't uh, do this and why we don't do that and when it's right there in plain and simple writing in the New Covenant as we should be looking back. So let's go back this morning and let's look in Exodus 33 and 34 to show us something that I believe the Lord wants us to see today. Exodus 33 
and, and, and we'll be here a little bit. And let's look in verse 11, Exodus 33 and 11. Let's, let's go through this this morning. But, and, and while we're going to this portion of Scripture is because Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. And here in this picture, Moses asked to see God's glory. And God allows Moses to see that glory. So that's why we're going back here because we go back and we read about Moses asking to see God's glory and God showing Moses his glory. It'll help us understand a little bit of what the glory of God really is so we're not called in some church service asking for the Lord to pour his glory out and to fill this place with his glory and to impart his glory. Uh, and it's okay to do that as long as we know what the glory of God really is. And that's why we're going back to Exodus. Hallelujah. Watch this now in verse 11 of Exodus 33. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaks unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, you say unto me, Bring up this people, and you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. You've said that to me. That's what Moses said to the Lord. You, you've said that you know me by name and, and that I found grace in your sight. He says, now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in your sight, <laughs> show me now your way that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is thy people. Oh my goodness, we could stay right here for two or three sessions. God has already told him that, he's, that Moses, you found grace in my sight. I know you by name. You found grace in my sight. And here he is praying to the Lord, asking the Lord face to face, I pray if I have found grace in your sight, Show me now your way that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is thy people. Now think about that. This may be, this may be an inside view for those of us God has been able to bring back to the cross because the cross is his way. The cross, the way of the cross is the way of righteousness. There, there is no other. The way of the cross is the way of righteousness. There is no other. I could say that many more times. And he, we find Moses here in response to the Lord saying, I pray that if I have found grace in your sight, God's already told him I, you found grace in my sight, show me now your way that I may know thee. Do you really want to know God? then your heart is going to have to desire to know His way. Show me your way that I may know thee, experience thee, that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said unto him, If your presence go not with me, carry us not up from here. For wherein shall it be known? 
here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. What, what are you going to do, God? What, what are you going to show us that it'll be known that I and your people have found grace in your sight? Hang on, watch this powerful confrontation, a powerful uh, 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 manifestation, a powerful conversation here between God and Moses and Moses and God. Is it not in that you go with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that you've spoken. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Let's stop right there and be reminded, child of God, that he knows us by name. We have found grace in his sight. If we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be saved today. He saved us by grace. He knows us by name. And we have found grace in his sight now. He said, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Now, show me thy glory. Moses wanted to see more of God, the fullness of God. He's talking to him face to face, the Bible says, but he wants to know him. He wants to know his way. He don't want to mess it up. And I believe, let's get back. Show me now thy way that I may know thee. Let's get back to something I believe the Lord wants me to say today. This may be an insight for those of us who God has been able to bring back to a focus of the cross, to be planted in a church where the focus is the gospel. It's not we say it is, but it's not. It is. And the message is the power of God, which is the preaching of the cross through Genesis all the way through Revelation. And I believe that those who want to really know God want to know His way and those are the ones that are accepting from the heart that belief under righteousness. The Lord told me a few years ago, not very many, you'll know those who really desire to know the truth. He said, for when they hear it, they will grab a hold of it. But the truth is Jesus and what he did at Calvary. And you might say, my friend, no, the whole Bible, all of God's words are truth. They absolutely are. But when they're held outside of that righteous context, which is the way of the cross, the context of Calvary, the redemptive plan of God, then nothing can be produced but ungodliness and unrighteousness. If we're holding God's word, the truth, in an unrighteous context, Romans 1.18, Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the ungodliness and unrighteousness of those who hold His truth in unrighteousness. That means out of the context of Calvary. Those who tell, they, they tell you what God's Word says and then they tell you you've got to do something because what God's Word says right here, to be saved or to find the power to live saved. Now friend, they're holding God's Word, God's truth out of context out of its righteous context. So watch this now. He says in verse 18, And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Think about that. 
when he, he's going he's to show Moses his glory, but he's going to do it by proclaiming his name. Now watch this. Turn over to Exodus 34. Oh, this gets real good. This gets spectacular. And because it's Christmas Eve, we may uh, do a little something more special. We may go over our little 30-minute mark today, praise God, because I will, oh, this is exciting. Watch this. And the Lord, Exodus 34, verse 1, And the Lord said unto Moses, Cut two tables of stone like the first ones, and I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which you broke. Remember Moses comes down the mountain with the first two tables of stone. He sees the people are in an all-out sexual orgy drunken state worshiping the golden calf and oh, still trying to manipulate God. Put the golden calf right beside the altar like God will accept the cross, the way of the cross and the way of some golden calf. Something else we're, tr- something else we're trusting in. God won't have any part of that. God won't have any part of that and that's in Exodus 32. You can back up. and re- God won't allow a mixture. He won't function. Uh-uh. You, you won't have it. You, you can make up what you want in these last days, apostasy uh, 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 stuff that's the, the, the apostate church, but God don't allow mixture. It's faith in Christ and in crucified or it's not faith at all because faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified, and you put another and on that and something else, that next, that second and after Jesus Christ and him crucified, that second and eliminates faith from being real and operable in your life. When you're trusting in anything else besides Jesus and what he did at the cross, you're telling God from the heart the cross wasn't enough. Remember that. He says, and this is, this is a, a powerful picture of God's mercy and long-suffering and grace and God's patience. Because look, he says, cut two tables of stone like the first, and I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which you broke. By the way, Moses saw the sin going on in the camp of Israel, and he threw the stones that God had carved with his own hands out and, and, and carved, and Moses broke them, a type of Moses broke breaking the law, if you will. And he says, and be ready in the morning and come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai and present thyself there to me in the top of the mount. And the way he's going to present himself to God in the top of the mount is by coming up to the top of the mount with the two tables he's cut. By doing what God has told. Don't don't come present yourself to God without having done what God's told you to do and what God's told you to bring to the meeting with God. And what we bring to the table every day with God is a heart that's believing unto righteousness, the righteous words of Almighty God through faith in the righteous work of the Son of God at Calvary. He says in verse 3, And no man shall come up with you, neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount, neither let the flocks nor herds feed before that mount. And he hold two tables of stone like unto the first, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up unto Mount Sinai. And the Lord had, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand the two tables of stone. Oh, the blessing that comes when we just do what God tells us to do. And the Lord descended in the cloud. Here comes the Lord descending 
in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now I want you to see this because this is a response to Moses, Moses wanting to see the glory of God and we're here in this portion of scripture because we're seeing what Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 declares about Jesus being the brightness of God's glory, the brightness of this picture being shown a, uh, a Moses in the old covenant. He says, And the Lord, verse 6, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord. Now what's he doing back in verse 5? He stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. So watch. And the Lord passed by before him, Verse 6, and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children until the third and the fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. First time in the Bible that the Bible mentions Moses worshiping God. Right here when he showed him his glory, which was a picture as he showed Moses his glory by proclaiming his name, get this, which is what he would do, all that he would do, all that you read in verse 7 is what would come about through faith in his son Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. God being able to forgive iniquity and transgression and sin. The very reason that he won't pardon the guilty because he offered eternal life and abundant life and those who reject that glory of God get eternal damnation, eternal death because they opted out. They chose, they opted out. But it's a powerful, powerful story here of God obliging Moses, showing him his glory by declaring his name, by passing by and proclaiming all that name would provide. And that name, my friend, is Jesus Christ. The name that justified you. Hallelujah. Do you get that? Do you see that? Let's go back to Hebrews 1 verse 3 and look at this again. Who being the brightness talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus Christ, this one here in this holiday season of Christmas that we worship as we look at that virgin birth, the one who is the incorruptible seed, that seed of the woman promised in the Garden of Eden. Women don't have a seed. We men carry the reproduction seed, the reproductive seed. And we, with that seed, we fertilize the egg of a woman and reproduction takes place and a a child is conceived. This is not what happened in the Virgin Mary. It cannot be what happened. If that's what happened, there is no salvation because Jesus would have been a normal man born with a, a sin nature, but he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Placed in the womb of 
the Virgin Mary, and she gave birth to that who has the heavenly Father, the only begotten of the Father. Glory to God, the one who came who is full of grace and truth and will be found nowhere else. But he says in Hebrews 1 and 3, Jesus is the brightness of the glory of God. Everything God proclaimed to Moses under the old covenant as his glory, showing him his glory. And if you go back and you read Exodus 32, uh, oh my goodness, he, 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 he takes Moses. Before this takes place, he, he, he puts him on the, he, he causes him to stand on a rock, all symbolic of the, the rock of ages, Jesus Christ being our great salvation and refuge and everything else that he is to us. But then he not only stands him on a rock, but he puts him in the cleft of the rock, which the word cleft means the pierced place, a cutout place of the rock, which refers to, points to Jesus being pierced as our rock of ages for our forgiveness. Hallelujah. He was pierced wounded and bruised for our sins and iniquities. Hallelujah. Jesus becoming the brightness of God's glory. And my friend, if you've been standing in a sanctuary full of people declaring, show me your glory, he's already shown it to you. He's already poured it out at Calvary. Jesus, if you're born again, you have that one who is the brightness of God's glory, who is now the hope of glory living inside of you. If you're crying out to see God's glory, begin to look to the cross again and you will see the brightness of who Jesus is and that brightness is the brightness of who your faithful God is. Hallelujah. He is the brightness of the fullness of who your God is. And the best place to look, the only place to look to see the fullness of who Jesus is and the God of glory is, is at Calvary. That's where it was revealed. The, everything that God showed Moses when he asked to see his glory is what God would provide through the shedding of the blood of His Son. Hallelujah. God is love, and the Bible tells us that God is love in 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 and verse 16. And then 1 John chapter 4, uh, verses 9 and 10 tell us that in what Jesus did at the cross, God was manifest. The love of God was manifest. There is where you see that you are loved. There is where you look to see that God is merciful, God is gracious and He's offering it all to you. Wants to show a greater picture of His glory than Moses could have ever imagined seeing. Even though he stood with God face to face and spoke with God, we have something much greater now. Hear me, Jesus said John the Baptist, not Moses. John the Baptist was the greatest man ever born of a woman. Why was that? Because he saw the one who is the brightness of God's glory and declared him to be what makes him the brightness of God's glory, the Lamb of God that came to take away our sins and the sins of all the world. Hallelujah. But he said that John the Baptist, though he's the greatest man, greater than Moses ever born of a woman, Yet he is 
less than the least in the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. And we, you and me, born again children of God today on this side of the cross are in the kingdom. We've entered into the kingdom. We've entered into the king. We're in Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, this is the best Christmas gift anyone could ever have to, to be reminded on this Christmas Eve morning that we've entered into Christ. We've entered in to this one who is the brightness of God's glory and all we've got to do, my friend, to avoid the oppression, the depression, the guilt, the condemnation, the, the I feel left out, the I've never had anything, nobody, lo all we nobody loves me, nobody cares about me. I'm all alone. All you've got to do, my friend, is from your heart. Ah, just from your heart, with your heart, believe and look unto that work of Christ at the cross. It was God reaching for you. It was God showing you He loves you. It was God showing you He's merciful unto you. It was God showing you He'll be gracious unto you. It was God speaking to you through that, ble that blood being shed right there. It, that blood that purified you is the blood that's speaking the voice of God better things than that of Abel Hebrews 12 24 glory to God Merry Christmas may you see the brightness of God's glory in this Christmas season the one who came to show us the brightness of God's glory God bless you Merry Christmas I love you and I praise God for each one of you Keep praying for us. We're believing God bring the fullness of His glorious plan into a greater place of fruition in your life even before this year is over. Hallelujah. Don't forget to pray for us. Don't forget to give a good gift to the Lord and His work taking place through the preaching and the focus of the gospel, the cross of Jesus Christ right here at Crossway Church. You can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can type the word give. You can text the word give to the number 903 231-5950. Again, I love you. God bless you. I'll see you in the morning on Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.